show the world your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, friends, and morning, everybody. Good to be here, and welcome, and happy December, happy Advent. Uh, November is behind us, praise the Lord, for those of us who don't like November. Um, and a shout out, seeing Mike up here, a shout out to the Jacobs Well cast and crew. Well done to you guys. Uh, fantastic. If you, um, if, you got to, if you got to see the show as I did on Tuesday, then you'll know it was a great show. Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. Uh, you can ask Mike later whether he preferred being a professor or a Father Christmas. You can, and if you weren't there, you can decide which one you'd prefer uh, to encounter him uh, in, in those roles. But... Um, uh, Line the Witch in the Wardrobe, just re- it kind of reminded me and, and links a little bit with where we are this morning. It, it is, of course, a brilliant, brilliant uh, story at, at every level. But m- one of the things it powerfully reminds us of is where we put our gaze and that the invisible realm is just as real as the visible one uh, and even more important, arguably. Uh, that's one of the things. And, and of course, um, the presence of Aslan and the victory of Aslan uh, that we gather around. And I, as I stand here, having stood here many, many times over many years, there are, this is always true in a gathering like this, because there's lots of us. I think I'm very aware today, it could just be me, uh, that the, the gap between those who are on mountaintops and those who are in valleys uh, feels very great. Could just be me, could just be that I've heard two or three stories this week of some particularly notable kind of great things going on in, in, in certain people's lives, and actually two or three incredibly uh, tragic ones as well uh, that affect people in this community. That will always be so, it just feels particularly so in this moment. Um, and so we just need to be mindful of that, don't we? And we need to be aware of that, and we need to be prayerful around that. Uh, And it's extraordinary, isn't it, that we don't actually unite around circumstances. That will be terrible. I mean, can you imagine the mess that will be created if we did that? We we unite precisely around Aslan, if you like, around the King of Kings. And so we bring our sense of tragedy for those who are carrying that deep sadness and, and, and pain around particular scenarios. Uh, and others bring huge amounts of gratitude connected with their um, joyful circumstances at this moment. And we bring all of that, and God is big enough to cope with all of that. And that's such a blessing, isn't it? Um, I don't know if that resonates with some people in the room, but I uh, just felt to say it. And, and actually, it, it connects with what we're, we're looking at today. I, I was reading the true story of a woman who was near to dying. She was a believer, and she didn't have that long to live, so she was making some arrangements for the future. She was part of a tradition where, at the Thanksgiving, the casket would, would remain open. So she was talking to the pastor about what songs they were going to sing, what Bible stories they were going to have, and even, even uh, what she was going to be wearing. Um, when when uh, her, her th- the time for her Thanksgiving came and the, and the, ca- the casket was open. And she said, there's one more thing. And, uh, as far as I know, this is a true story. Uh, she said, I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. And so the pastor was a bit puzzled. And she explained, she said, well, uh, I've been attending this church for many years. We're brilliant at doing food and socials and parties and stuff like that. And my favorite moment comes in a, in a food scenario when the, the main course having been cleared away, the people clearing the plates away say, oh, hold on to your fork. Because she said, I've got a very sweet tooth. And I, when people say, hold on to your fork, I know that there's something better coming. I know that something great is going to uh, come to me in that moment. And then she, with all seriousness, she turned to the pastor and said, uh, I want, so I want people to see me holding a fork uh, in my right hand. And I want them to, to go, well, what's with the fork? That's really weird. And pastor, I want you to tell them about finding the God of all hope and that with him, something better is coming. 
that for the family of Jesus, the best is always yet to come. That's a powerful little story. John, John Piper, a Christian author and speaker, describes biblical hope as the desire for something good in the future, we resonate with that, and the confident expectation that it will happen, we're beginning to wonder, based on the word, the nature, and the character of God. We're just going to explore just a little bit around that. Advent, this, uh, for those who are kind of inclined liturgically, we, we kind of come and go a little bit with our uh, attention to these things. But that serious, um, period of the year when there's a sense of anticipation, might be anticipating all sorts of things, but anticipation is one of the words that hangs over this, and hope is around anticipation. And I've believed as I've just been looking at this message in the last couple of days that there's a, there's a verse that God, and it's a prayer, and I think God wants to answer this prayer in a particular way for some people, even beginning this morning, today, and on uh, into this Advent season. And it's in Romans 15, and it's incredibly powerful. It's on the screen, I think. May the God of hope... This is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll say it again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God of hope was the title I've been given for this morning overflowing with hope. God has so many wonderful names, uh, and we love all the names because they all say something about God. Here's the God of hope. And, and the invitation uh, expressed in this prayer is then that, that God would pour out so much hope that we wouldn't be able to contain it in our hearts and it would overflow. I, was trying to, I couldn't locate a good overflowing metaphor, but I do remember once as a teenager, had a very big bath in a house that we used to live in, left the taps running, and we did have the, you know, the downpour. That, that feels like a rather negative overflow. But imagine the positive overflow of, of a bath, of a tank that is so full that it, it, it just has to spill out to, to others. And that's compelling, isn't it? For, for those of us who call ourselves followers of the God of hope, that we want and need for ourselves to be full of hope in order that then we overflow to a, hope, to, to a world that is clearly desperate for uh, hope. Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And hope, of course, is one of those words and concepts. You, you, you find a book of quotations in the days when we used to have books before Google. And you open up um, a book of quotations and you look under hope and it's, it's a really chunky section because there's all kinds of really interesting and exciting and inspiring things said about the concept of hope. And I'm sure that they're, they're all good. I love the one which said, we can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for a second without hope. Or hope, H-O-P-E, hold on, pain ends. Hadn't seen that one before. Once you choose hope, said Christopher Reeve, Superman, as was, once you choose hope, anything is possible. And on and on. And they can be inspiring things to do. We can go to those books and we can read those, those kind of quotes. Actually, the best book, we, we, we know this. We, we do need to keep going back to the authority of the scriptures. And we need to uh, anchor ourselves in the hope that is described there. Because actually, friends, it's just a little bit different. As we'll see, as we'll remind ourselves. But I want to read from 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, just briefly. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. And it's an inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by the fire, All of that may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Why do we need hope? What's it based on? How do we grow it? Enough for for a lifetime of, of messages, of course. But let's be guided by these verses a little bit. I think why we need hope doesn't need a great deal of attention in some ways, but we need to keep restating it. I've said it rather boldly here. In fact, this was John Piper who said this. He said, without hope, we die. Without hope, we die. A little bit like the the quote I've just given. With it, we crash through what he calls quitting points. Those moments when it would just be so easy to go from sadness to discouragement to despair and just to resignation and to giving up. Quitting points. Points when it's just easy not to have hope. With hope, we crash through those points. I was reading, even just this morning, some of you, I was just looking at BBC News, there's a, an Australian guy, he's been released from uh, captivity in the Taliban in Afghanistan um, in some prisoner swap, I think it was. And he's been there for quite some time and conditions have been pretty terrible. But he said this just, this, just this morning, I never, ever gave up hope because if you give up hope, there's very little left for you. And of course, it's when, it is when things are tough that we most need hope. Again, going back to where I started this morning, this is, this is landing in places in our midst this morning uh, because it, there is excruciating darkness and difficulty. It may even feel like captivity for you, for some here. And if that's not now, then you can resonate with what that, that does feel like or has felt like. And the people that Peter is writing to, remember, these are people in a very difficult place. They're people who are under massive pressure. Huge kinds of threats and danger challenges for them, especially because of their faith. And it's hope that keeps them alive and it keeps them going. And and, and Peter wants to make sure that they've grabbed a hold of the right kind of hope. They've grabbed a hold of all that God has for them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is like oxygen. As Dostoevsky said, again, just to reinforce the point, to live without hope is to cease to live. Powerful words. I think there's an old saying that goes, where there's life, there's hope. I think it works equally well the other way around, if not more, even more profoundly. Where there's hope, then there's life. With hope, with hope, so much is possible. Hope that enables us to crash through quitting points. I, I read a story again this week of a, an Iranian Christian. Uh, the name is uh, Abedini, Nagbe Abedini. Uh, from, from Iran, and they moved to uh, America for a while, but felt the call of God back to Iran because of uh, just a sense of call and a sense to minister to people there. And actually, it was the, it was the, 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 the husband, Saeed Abedini, who traveled back to minister, um, and his wife and children remain in America. And then she received the horrifying news that he, her husband had been arrested. It's not, not, that long ago, uh, not, not that long ago, and sentenced to die for being a Christian believer. And she's trying to fight for his, his release and so on and appealing to the president. Uh, she got news that he was being ill-treated in prison, uh, but 
continuing to stand for Jesus in that place, just continuing to find hope in God, continuing to uh, draw on the power of the Holy Spirit and keep hope alive, and indeed to minister that, to overflow with that to, to others in that place, such that in this prison people are becoming Christians. You may know that in the country of Iran there is a huge revival going on, and in the, in the worst of these prisons. Of course, the guards didn't like that, so they moved into a different prison, and um, uh, an even worse one, and he's reporting that even there people are coming to faith. But he wrote back to his daughter, and the letter came through, and it said this recently, People die and suffer for their Christian faith all over the world, and some may wonder why, but you should know that the answer of why is actually who. It is for Jesus, and you need to know that he is my hope. He is my hope, and he is worth the price. See, context of 1 Peter, believers in huge difficulty, distress, in danger of being discouraged, in danger of getting cynical, hard-hearted, maybe giving up, looking for hope somewhere else. Everybody needs hope, and especially we need hope in tough places. I don't know what, what kind of hope uh, you latch onto. You could, I was going to think about sort of global and, and national and local and personal, and you pick, pick one in any of those categories. You don't need me to help you. As, as I say, glo- global things that are challenging and dark and difficult, what's, what's, num- what's the top of your list where you need to really engage to go, well, have I got hope for that? The world seems very hopeless around this area. Have I got hope for that? What is, what is that for you? Might be climate change or, or whatever, a bunch of stuff. Nationally, a whole load of areas. It's not hard to engage with different areas of, of difficulty and challenge and darkness. What's the number one on your list in that area? Might it be, I don't know, mental health issues? Locally, what's your number one? This place of d- difficulty and potential discouragement, even despair, into which so much hope is required because otherwise the tide won't turn. What is that? What's that issue for you? Is that... I think BBC were here in town, weren't they? Around, probably around the election stuff. They picked on two issues. Homelessness was one of them. Is that, the, is that the area? Personally, closer to home, as you think about the world, national, local, all of that stuff. It's massive, isn't it? Massive, massive, massive. Personally, though, what's going on in your life right now? Again, it might touch on some of the very personal bits of tragic circumstance we might be aware of. Where's hope? And then actually the challenge for Christian believers in particular, Peter is saying, there's an additional challenge for those who are precisely under the cosh because of what they happen to believe. Even in a society that prizes the virtue of tolerance, surprisingly intolerant about a number of things, including those who wave the flag for authentic Christian faith. Extra pressure. We all need hope. Where does it come from? So, so vital that we get this, so vital, Peter dwells on it a while, so vital we understand because there is a huge difference between the kind of hope, friends, that is on offer through Aslan, the kind of hope that is on offer from God, the kind of hope that God wants us to overflow with through the power of the Holy Spirit, than where we might more easily base our hope, which isn't to say that there isn't hope in all kinds of other things, but we need to be really confident as we leave this morning that Christian hope, biblical hope, God's hope, the God of hope and the kind of hope he's wanting to implant and fill our tanks with today is different and it's based in a different place 
than where we might easily put our hope. Sometimes it's easier to see where we, uh, sort of what, where we do something than when we, uh, sorry, where we don't do something than where we do. So I was just thinking, where, might we, where might we place our hope? Is hope the same as kind of wishful thinking, a kind of fingers crossed, a kind of optimism? Optimism is good, in my view. Always look on the bright side of life, positivity. Positivity is certainly much more attractive, isn't it? People are positive, much more attractive than those who, who uh, are flavored by negativity. But it's still not the same as biblical hope. Why? Well, because optimism doesn't have solid ground to stand on, does it? It's more to do with, with, with temperament, an optimistic, positive person. Oh, it'll, it'll, it'll work out. It'll be fine. Some positive thinking. Well, that's, that's good. It's better than negative thinking. But it has its limits. I'd say it's overrated. It's all, it can be anchored, actually, in a self-confidence. It can be that thing that just makes bold declarations but not based on, on very much. And friends, we need to be careful because religious optimism is more or less the same thing, but with a bit of a Christian flavor added to it and is not the same as Christian hope. Oh, it'll be fine because I'm a Christian. It'll be fine because God's good. It'll be fine. That's religious optimism. Ultimately, it's empty. Ultimately, it's vain. Ultimately, it will disappoint and then leave us even more discouraged and disappointed. The power of positive thinking, religious optimism... We're not to base our hope on that. It's not where it comes from. Biblical hope doesn't necessarily, by the way, seek a particular outcome. This is where one of the massive differences is. In, 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 the, in the Bible, if you look up hope, do a, do a word search, very, very rarely will you find hope for something. I'm hoping for X, Y, Z, whatever those, that, that circumstance is. Very rare. You look up hope, almost always the next word isn't for, but in. Right. That's huge, isn't it? Let's locate so much of this concept of hope. I'm hoping for this. Hoping for, hoping for better results. Hoping for better weather. I'm hoping that next week will be better than this week. I'm hoping for, um, you know sickness to go away, whatever. Uh, friends, I'm not, please don't hear me say there's anything wrong with that. There absolutely isn't. But it's incredibly noteworthy that the Bible almost always talks about hope in and not about the circumstances for which we are hoping. This really, really matters. Isaiah 40, some of you are there already in your heads. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Hope is clearly not going to be based. We're not going to get, get, up, get hope from our emotions. Let's just, just nail that. Just because I might be feeling more hopeful doesn't mean I'm going to have more hope. What's the opposite of that? Well, what happens when I'm not feeling hopeful? Does hope suddenly vanish? Again, please hear me. Hope, feelings matter. Part of hope is an experience, a felt experience. But if we locate our hope there in our feelings, we are in big trouble. How about politics? <laughs> Do I need to expand on that one right now? Let's make, make the obvious point, though. We rightly engage in uh, current affairs and politics, and especially at times like this, and what governments are able to do and, and all of that. And we need to. We really, really need to. But I find it, I don't know about anybody else, I find it incredibly easy to get swept up in that narrative. I love BBC News. I love all the uh, current affairs. I keep very up to date. I have some strong views around all of those sorts of things. But I do have to catch myself, and I want to encourage us to, to do the same. 
that we're not seeing it in the way that the news reports it, that we're not seeing it in the way that the world without God reports it, that we're not saying all of, all of my hope is located in this. Sure, I might want this person or this party or whatever to do better than the other one, and I, we want, use, need to be prayerful and use our vote sensibly, but the idea that we'd put our hope, too much of our hope in those, in those arenas that uh, if, if the right people get in or the right government gets in, then everything's going to be sorted. It's ridiculous. This is fantasy land. Not saying things can't go better or worse, but Christian hope is not located there at all. What else might we put our, our hope in? Our own ability, maybe? I'm kind of hopeful about the future because I'm intelligent and I'm capable and I'm secure financially and I can make some things happen. And if I can just get a bit wiser and a bit richer and a bit of a better parent or a bit more secure in my job, well, things are going to go better. Even, even just to say it reveals how silly that is. Based on circumstances changing, so when X, Y, Z happens, when I get a better job, then it'll be okay. I'm putting my hope in the circumstance changing. Well, that's back to hoping, putting, pinning our hopes on hoping for something, isn't it? Rather than hoping in someone. Scientific advance, as amazing as it is, technology, human beings getting clever and clever, discovering they've got our God-given capacity to create and invent and find amazing solutions to things. Even there, not a good grounds for our hope. False promises, false hope. Ch chain letters don't seem to be a thing anymore. Do you remember those chain letters <laughs> holding out false promises? Advertising. Again, I don't, I don't want to get too cynical about this, but what's an advert? Basically, it's trying to create an image around a product in order to tell you some things about the product that may or may not be true in the hopes that you might buy it. It was Revlon, Charles Revlon, apparently, the founder of Revlon. He said, I don't sell makeup to women. I sell women hope. He said, don't have a go at me, he said it. <laughs> Wear this and you'll look in this way, whatever. The Christian version of false hope, by the way, is, is being very loose with our interpretation of the Bible. And it's not like it's easy to always interpret the Bible rightly, but we need to avoid errors where we just turn the Christian version of this into... Um, I don't know if you just do X, X, turn it into a form, you do X, Y, Z. If you, if you just had more confidence and faith, then you know, you'd never have a hard time and life would go well for you. If you're a good person, you won't suffer. If you pray enough, if you make God pleased with you, then he'll protect you from tragedy and pain, etc., uh, etc. Et you know, false promises. False hope, the Christian version of it. Dozens and dozens of ways in which we can want to find hope try to find hope, need to find hope. I'm not diminishing any of them, but towering above all of those, towering above all of those places where we might find hope is this hope that Peter refers to, the Bible refers to, and it is therefore unique and different. It has a different quality. Why? Because it's not based on chance. It's not based on character. It's not based on the very, very best that human beings or anything in this world or earth can offer or supply. Romans 15, 13 again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hoping in God rather than hope, pinning our hopes on a particular outcome. This is a spiritual thing, literally. This hope is a spiritual thing. It's from, it comes from the divine nature of God. Its origin is heaven. 
not from the, the mind or the, the, the realm of, of mankind. And Peter is really clear. Let's say it again. Hope is not based on a what. It's based on a who. Hope is not based on a what. It's based on a who. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his mercy, he's given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So it's a decision to trust God for that better future, that the best is yet to come, but based on his nature, his word, his promise, his character, his activity in the world. Somebody put it like this. Hope is anchored in the past because of the resurrection of Jesus. It lives in the present because Jesus is alive. It will be completed in the future because Jesus is coming back. I love that. Firmly anchored in the past because of what God has done in the past. Lives in the present because he's alive. Completed in the future because he is coming back. Hebrews says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Hebrews 6.13. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. What's an anchor? It's something that is incredibly secure. It's certain. It's not wobbly. This is the kind of hope that God says we can know and have. It feels unfamiliar because hope too often feels to us insecure and something that we, we kind of want to have more of because we're a bit doubtful. No, he says it's absolutely certain. This hope is certain. It's why it's different from every other kind of hope. This hope is certain. It's why we can have confident expectation that the best is yet to come. Desmond Tutu, South African uh, Archbishop, as you remember, he, he, the story is told of him being in, a, in an environment where he was preaching and it was in a church and the, and the security services came in very threateningly and lined the walls with their guns and so on. And he looked at, the, at, at them and he said, you're powerful, my friends. You're pow-. He addressed them directly. You're powerful. You're very powerful. But I serve a power greater than your power. I serve a God who cannot be mocked. And he turned to them and he said, listen, you have already lost I invite you today to come and join the winning side. Uh, and, and the crowd was sort of buoyed by this, and those praises and thanksgiving began to, to emerge even more loudly. And eventually the police actually just slunk out of the, of the building. And how could he say that? Why don't you give up now? Why don't you come to the winning side? How did he know that his side would win? Because his hope was certain. His hope was sure, he said. The Christian hope is never an uncertain hope. It's not like saying, well, I hope this will work, and I hope this medication might work, and I hope, and there's nothing wrong with that, but this is a bigger and deeper and wider hope. It's not, an, not like a kite blowing in the wind. It's an anchor. There's a difference. Certain hope. A guy called Howard Thurman was a theologian, and he gave a famous lecture when he was challenged about the worship songs sung by the slaves on the plantations in America in, in, the, in the days of slavery. And uh, they sang those songs, as you know, which almost all speak of the hope, God's hope for the future. And uh, they were being kind of criticized, but he said this, it was precisely their belief that this world isn't all that there is and that death isn't the end that taught this people how to ride high in life, how to look squarely in the face those facts that argue most dramatically against all hope, but to use those facts as the raw material out of which they fashioned a hope that their environment, with all its cruelty, could never crush. 
What enabled them to, to, to endure the most barbaric kind of cruelty, separation from loved ones, and, all, and so on? It was a decision to believe God for a better future based on what he'd done in the past. Friends, we need to pause then again, don't we? It means that whatever I'm going through, or, or those who are close to me, whatever I'm going through, however desperate it might be, ultimately does, does not and cannot rob us of this certain hope. Because there is always something bigger. Because what is the biggest thing that we can contemplate? What frames everything? Well, God frames everything. The un- everlasting arms are underneath. There's nothing beneath them. The everlasting arms are underneath. And his majesty above. There is always, therefore, a bigger story. And the bigger story is always good because it is about God, who is the God of love. And he's always good. And he demonstrates it in history by sending Jesus to die. And then to live. And to hold out a future which is indestructible. So there is an eternal quality about this hope. Uh, And friends, I I have to say, and we encourage each other a a lot in this, we have to develop our mindset of the eternal uh, uh, more and more in an age which is so material. Hope is located there. The best is yet to come. Hope is located there. Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in. Store up yourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus says, put your hope in what you can't lose. There was a ship that was sinking called the Express of Ireland, 1914. Uh, There weren't enough um, lifeboats, uh, life jackets to go around. On on board the ship, 130 Salvation Army officers, apparently. 109 of them uh, drowned. And not a single body that was picked up of the 109 Salvation Army officers had one of the life belts on it. And the few survivors said, this is what happened. The Salvation Army Christians took off their own life jackets and they strapped them onto other people, even the, the stronger of the men, saying this, I can die better than you can. I can die better than you can. What enables somebody to say that? What enables somebody to do that? Only the certain and sure conviction the confident expectation, the hope that the God of all hope plants in the human heart of those who want to receive it. My time's nearly done. I need to, to finish. There was somebody caught in a, um, in a uh, cave about a couple of weeks ago. It's in Yosemite National Park. They, they're walking along. They fell through some sort of crevice and it went down and down and down and down and down. And uh, they, they remained alive, but they couldn't get out. And the only thing that they could do was to sort of shout and shout and shout. And I think they were down there for about a a week, just short of a week. And eventually somebody did hear the shouting and eventually they were rescued. And uh, in telling his story, how did you survive? How did you manage to, you know, to, to, to be okay? He said, well, pretty much the only thing that I chose to do and could do was to keep looking up. And in the midst of my darkness, the only thing that brought me any hope was this pinprick of light and it's the only thing that I could see. And so I focused on the light. I focused on the light. It was a phrase that caught me. I focused on the light. I focused on the light. Friends, how do we grow in hope? There's no great mystery to this, but it's focusing on the light. It's focusing on, on Aslan. It's being as full of, of, of full of his Holy Spirit as we can possibly be day after day, to be full of him, to set our hope in him to recognize where we're hoping for some things, as good as that might be, as real as that might be, to be praying for some outcomes, as important as that is. But under it, over it, around it, above it, recognizing that it's the God in whom we put our hope. 
Can I end with some scripture and then we'll, and then we'll pray? Psalm 33. Last few verses. We wait in hope for the Lord. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. So may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Let's stand. Very aware, or a bit like how to eat an elephant, too much, too big in a way. But I'm persuaded that the Holy Spirit will, um, will give to us what he wants us to receive, because he's good like that. So let's uh, be quiet. Do whatever you need to do to put away... Other thoughts? And as, as much as you know how, without striving, let's open ourselves to what the Lord wants to say, what he wants to highlight, what he wants to give us, what he wants us to take away because he loves us. And he wants to strengthen us. And he wants to fill our tanks again this morning. We wait in hope for the Lord. He's our help. He's our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. So may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Father, thank you that you love us that much. And thank you that it's a love that never fails. Thank you that you never fail. Father, for many of us, we're recognizing the, the fragility of life. We're recognizing our vulnerability. And if that's not what we personally feel in this moment, it may well be the experience of the person standing next to us. As we look around our town, our, our, our nation, our world, so many answers that seem still missing. So much desperation for hope. Father, thank you that your invitation is simple but profound. It's to put our hope in you.
So Father, we're asking this morning that you, you would enable us, you'd give us grace to, as it were, collect together all of our other hopes, very real as they are, and to present them before you, to allow for you to infuse them, God. And whilst we hold them, our hopes for different things, God, we pray that you would strengthen us so much in our hope in you. And where that needs realigning, Lord, where our hearts have got a little over-attached to a particular way of hoping. We're just praying this morning, Lord, that you would attach our hearts to you in fresh ways. We say, come Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may we know the God of all hope doing this, filling us such that we overflow. And Father, we thank you this isn't some philosophical, airy-fairy, impersonal thing. You are the God of all hope. This is personal because you're personal. Thank you, Lord, for that. So would you speak to us personally? Would you bless us personally? Would you give us grace, each one, personally? Would you help us to receive from you personally? More of you, Holy Spirit, each one, each one. And Father, where we're carrying hopes for others, where what's most preeminent in our mind is the, is the hope that we're carrying for somebody else, the prayers that we're carrying for somebody else. Lord, would you bless us? Would you bless us to keep going? Would you bless us to press in? Would you bless us to trust you? Thank you for every encouragement. Thank you for every answer prayer. invite folks forward for prayer. We always do this. And um, I'm going to mention a few specific things. That doesn't mean that only those folk come if you're new to us. If you know that you'd like to be encouraged by the Lord in this particular way, I'm going to invite you to come forward uh, without further invitation. Just come. You know that you need prayer. I'd love you to come forward. Just come. Just come. Just generically, you want to be blessed by God, strengthened by God, your tanks filled again by God. Just come. Make your way forward. Just come. But we're praying beforehand, been praying through the week. There are those in the room uh, whose lives are touched by tragedy at the moment. And in the darkest places is the place where God's light can shine brightest. And we just need for him, we, you don't bring a strength of your own to that. <clears throat> but where there's deep sadness, where there's great sense of, of loss, where we're standing for others, close to others who are in that place. I would love it if you'd come and receive prayer this morning. Just come. Some of those who've been in those real valley places or very conscious of others in real valley places, just come. If we could have some family members, just members of the Trinity family, would you come and, and pray, please? Come and bless. I think for many of us, there's a kind of realigning. 
where we just recognize that God has been, has been showing us that we've, we've been hoping for a bunch of things and putting our, our, basing our hopes on um, some things that are not as secure as we would want them to be. And there's no condemnation in that, but there's some realigning. And it's this rebalancing towards hope in God. Connected to hope for things, for outcomes. If that's you, why don't you just come? Come and pray, friends. Please come and pray. If you're suffering uh, physically at the moment, always a standing invitation. Jesus, heal the sick. He commands us to heal the sick. Father, thank you that you love us. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. Some of us, our prayer is just help. You don't even know how to form the words. It's just help. God, help. It's a great prayer. God's reminding us he's our helper. He's our helper. He's our shield. He's our protector. You need protection. Your family need protection. You need breakthrough. In him, our hearts rejoice. We trust in his holy name. Some of us might just want to sit and praise the Lord, just continue to worship him, to thank him, just to be grateful for all that he's done, all that he is, all that he's given us. So we're going to continue to pray. If you want to pray, make your way forward. If you've come for prayer and nobody's just prayed, could you just raise a hand just so I can see? Very good. So tea and coffee over the way. If you've been visiting us this morning, thanks so much for joining us. We serve tea and coffee over here. Uh, children will need collecting around about now. Just going to speak a blessing over us. We'll continue for this to be a prayerful place. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing your kindness to us. But we're asking, Spirit, that you'd fill tanks this morning. You'd refill tanks, God, with hope. Hope in you. Hope that is focused on you. Hope in a who, not a what. And help us to go in that confidence, Lord. Not a self-confidence, but a God-confidence. And to act from that place this week. As we minister, as we bless, as we delight in you, and as we overflow with hope to a needy world. In Jesus' name.